Medicare's annual open enrollment period lasts through December 7th. But with all the choices and all the differences in benefits and costs, how do you decide which approach is best for you? Stay tuned as we discuss all this and more right now on the Retirement Lifestyle Show. Welcome. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Show with Roshan Lungani, Eric Olson, and Adrian Nicholson. This show is an exploration of ideas to help you work toward your ideal retirement. Get ready for the financial independence of your dreams. Welcome to the Retirement Lifestyle Show. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your co-host, Adrian Nicholson. I'm joined with my other co-host, Eric Olson. The other co-host, Roshan Ghani, is not with us today, but we're ready to tackle open enrollment today. Eric, are you excited for it? I am, but I do want to. I do want to cap on Roshan just a second because here he was just talking so proudly the last couple of weeks about how we had had such consistency with both being here, and then he he bails out on us. What's up with that? I mean, come on. You're right. The streak finally ended, but it's all good. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, well, anyway, I'm doing great. Adrian, I hope you are too. I'm doing fantastic, Eric. I'm really glad you're going to be discussing with me today open enrollment. I'm really excited to get into it. This is a very timely topic. So we have a lot of great information today on this topic. So why don't we jump right into it? Well, sure. So um, one of the things we'll just mention, we find this topic apparently uh, important enough that we want to do it every year. So we do want to point you back to episode 38 and episode 88 uh, on our website that um, you can go to retirementlifestyleshow.com. Just go up to the top of the page. There's a little search box, type in Medicare, and you'll find the various shows that we've done on this subject. But the two most um, complete treatments of it were, again, episodes 38 and episodes 88. So uh, we hope you'll you'll pursue that because we're we're not going to cover all of the same territory there, and there's a lot of good stuff in those. I think actually, Adrian, in my view, episode eighty eight was was uh, really a complete, deep, complete treatment of the subject on many levels. So we're just going to be today mm-hmm. talking about some additional refinements. Adrian has very helpfully pulled together uh, the top questions that people are are asking about open enrollment and uh, Medicare open enrollment. So we're going we're gonna to run through some of those top questions and, and help you with our answers. The um, reason this is important is that if you miss open enrollment and you are, re- let's say you've reached your eligibility period, you're 65, you're no longer working, and you fail to sign up for Medicare, and that goes on for a while, what happens when you finally do sign up is, is that you are then responsible for for each year that you missed on Medicare Part B, you're responsible for a 10% penalty. And that 10% penalty persists throughout your entire lifetime. So if you missed it by, let's say, two or three years, you might be paying 20 or 30% more on Part B just by virtue of that miss for the balance of your lifetime than you otherwise would pay. So that that's important. Plus, really understanding which of the various approaches to Medicare, which are include the original Medicare, which we'll delve into, Medicare Advantage, and a third m- model, which is technically classified as a Medicare Advantage plan, 
but it's slightly different. We'll get into that difference as well. Really figuring out which of the, these different approaches is the best fit for your situation, for your travel plans, for your health uh, circumstances and so forth will, will put you in a much better position to really get the benefits that you want and need and not pay unnecessarily for ones that you don't. So with that, Adrian, thanks so much for taking the lead on pulling these uh, these seven questions together. Why don't we get started? What's the first one? Yeah, the first one has three parts to it. The first part is what is open enrollment? And this is a time of year when you can make changes to your medical coverage. It's a window and it begins from October 15th to the to December 7th each year and it starts the beginning of the new year. So that is open enrollment when you can make these changes to your medical coverage. And you may be asking, well, what changes can I make? And there's three common changes that people can make to their medical coverage. They can switch from original Medicare to Medicare Advantage, like Eric was discussing previously, or vice versa. You can change your current Medicare Advantage plan to a different one. You can shop around and see if you can find something better that suits your needs. And then the third one is you can enroll in Medicare D, which is prescription drugs that Eric talked about as well. So you don't have to deal with that penalty, which can be very harsh. So those are the changes you can make. And then the last question on this part is, do you need to make any changes if necessary? You don't have to if you're happy with the current coverage that you have. So you really don't need to do anything. But it's always good to look at that part D if you think that's something you may need to avoid that penalty. Yeah, so that that's a, that's a good summary, and I want to just highlight that there are when we talk about this open enrollment period from October fifteenth to December seventh, that's the general open enrollment uh, period for everyone. But there are two other main yes. ones to know about. So the first one is that from the first of January to the end of March, if you're in a Medicare Advantage plan, and only if you're in a Medicare Advantage plan, during that window, you also can change Medicare Advantage uh, plans. So you could go from this provider to that provider or from an HMO version to a PPO version or what have you. That The other one we call a special enrollment period, and that is if you've just retired, you have, but you were older than 65 when you did, then subject to certain stipulations and details, which I'm not going to get into just right now, about the employer, the size of the employer that you were working for, the, or si the number of employees at the company where you were working and so forth, and the quality of their plan. Um, you then also have an opportunity to enroll at that point in time. But um, this, at least what we're talking about today, is having to do with the general open enrollment period. So Excellent. Adrian, what have you got for, for number two? That, Eric, and you... Yes. And number two, we just touched on another question some viewers or listeners might have is what is this Medicare Advantage plan that you're referring to? And this is what some people call Part C. And this is offered through different private insurance companies. And this basically provides you with the same coverage that Medicare Part A and Part B provides, hospice care doctor visits, outpatient visits, medical equipment. It covers Part A and Part B. And this also can include additional benefits as well. It can be vision, hearing, dental coverage, a, a number of them, and also drug coverage as well, which is that Part D. 
So it does provide a range of coverage, this Medicare Advantage that we're talking about. And sometimes, typically, there's zero monthly premium you have to pay. So this might be something people should be looking why this window of open enrollment is available. Eric, is there anything you want to touch on on this part? Yeah, I think people are probably familiar with the concept, uh, if, even if they've never had one, with a, mm-hmm. a bundled Medicare, Medicare or health health insurance solution, typically like an HMO, possibly through your employer or what have you. So Medicare Advantage is, is um, often using the HMO model. It also, incidentally, though, isn't strictly an HMO option. There are also what are uh, PPO options and um, pay for you know service models and such. So sometimes people say, well, I don't want an HMO, and then they dismiss Medicare Advantage out of hand. I would say, don't do that. You can... You can certainly look and see whether or not the PPO options or the um, the pay for service models are attractive to you. But the big difference then is the the bundling of all of those things together. And if you have the Medicare Advantage plan, then you don't need a Medigap supplemental plan or a Medicare supplemental insurance plan. The nickname is a Medigap plan. Um, if uh, by mm-hmm. contrast, if you're using the original Medicare model. You have everybody has Part A. By the way, that's that's just a freebie. Um, people pay for Part B, um, and you'll you'll wind up paying for Part B irrespective. But in terms of you know wrapping everything together and whether you have to check bills, and, you know worry about a deductible and all that sort of stuff, uh, that's not a necessity under the Medicare Advantage plan. Excellent and. I would just want to open up this discussion more because this is the next commonly question people have, the benefits and what is the Medicare supplemental plan. And like you mentioned, Eric, and like maybe some people don't know, this again is offered through private insurance companies. And this is a way to help cover some of the costs that you incur, such as co-payments, co-insurance, deductibles, whatever it is. This is just a form of insurance to help you pay for this, which it could be very beneficial if the costs can be extremely high in some people's cases. So this is a way to help fill in those areas so you don't have to be making out-of-pocket costs. So it's a very interesting thing for people to look at as well. Yeah, I think it's kind of these days, depending on what your health circumstances are, it's hard for me to imagine that you wouldn't um, if you went with the original Medicare option, Part A again is mm-hmm. free and covers everyone. Part B is uh, also covers everyone and is required, but on this one you actually do pay for that. So Part A is for for hospitals. Part B is for doctors. With the um, with the B, by the way, that the costs there are uniform um, in certain income tiers. So just I don't want to I want to spend more time talking about the Medigap policy in just a second, but just to finish the thought about the part B Mm -hmm. is that if your income, let's say you're a married couple filing jointly and you're below, um, if I'm not mistaken, $182,000 of modified adjusted gross income two years prior, then married couples filing jointly would then their part B B premium would be the lowest level, meaning uh, right now about $172 per month. And as you scale up from there, then you wind up hitting higher and higher uh, surcharges that are loaded onto that. By the way, it's a 
they look back two years and see what your income was there. Actually, since I'm talking about Medicare Part B and surcharges, let me just add in one more thought here, Adrian, and that is sometimes you may have a windfall capital gain. You held a position for a long, long time. You repositioned a portfolio, you, et cetera, et cetera. And with that, you had kind of a one-off or maybe you did a really large Roth conversion. Again, you did a kind of an unusual one-off. You're able to go to the uh, Medicare administration and say, hey, you know, two years ago or two, you know, you know, two calendar years ago when I had that what looked like a really big income. Yeah, that's not normal. That was that was truly a one off. And could I please be given a waiver of the giant uh, surcharge that you're going to do on Part B? It's known as IRMA, I-R-M-A-A. If so, if you can avoid the IRMA surcharge by appealing that, we've had clients successfully appeal that and and not get you know hammered with. In some cases, that could be a three or four hundred dollar a month uh, surcharge for the balance of the calendar year. To avoid that, clearly, you're talking about real money there, four or five thousand dollars possibly that you can avoid. So, but then on the Medigare Medigap supplemental plan or Medicare supplemental insurance plan, what is that? Well, part A and part B don't really cover everything. They have, you know, they'll cover some, but they won't cover everything. And you sometimes you might look at the deductibles if you got hit with a big health event and you might be going, doggone it, man, that would be really, really a lot of money that I'd have to spring for out of pocket. And so this um, plan, again, as Adrian, you mentioned, is offered by private insurers. Now you might think, oh my goodness, so I'm gonna have to get into the, super fine print and see what they are going to cover and what they're not going to cover and what kind of loopholes I'm going to be faced with. Uh, Rest easy, my friend. You won't have all of that detail. Why? Because the federal government requires that if you're a private insurer and you you want to offer one of these Medigap plans, you must offer the benefits that are specified under one or the other of the, the 10 or so um, policy designs that the federal government has specified. So they have, for example, A and F and G and K and N and so forth and so on. Uh, all these different letters that designate what is offered, what is not. And with that, then the insurance companies go, okay, now we know exactly what we have to offer and what we don't have to offer. And so now really what we're going to do is we're going to figure out what's the right price for us to offer that plan. And then you as the consumer can go through and say, all right, I want these policies. I want this policy design. Let's say you want the gold standard uh, and you're, you're just now turning 65. You would go for the G plan. That's the one that offers the most coverage, no deductible. Or you might say, no, I I don't think I'm going to run into all those many health events and I'm willing to accept a higher deductible since I don't think I'll really chew through that deductible in most years. Okay. Then there are some other options that you could look at. K or N typically would be go-to choices for you to at least examine, or you might use the, the G high deductible plan, whatever. But my point is, is that you only have to familiarize yourself with a very small handful of plans, and then you can know confidently that the insurance companies that you're comparing really only have to be compared on price. So, Adrian, let me make sure, because I sort of wandered off into talking about Part B and surcharges and that sort of thing. 
Um, and mm-hmm. you mentioned part D. I'll just conclude with this thought that part D is the drug drug coverage. And that's a fantastic uh, plan as well. Usually pretty low cost unless, you know, for most people, given the medications that they they need. So you, you just bundle all that together and now you can sleep, rest easy, knowing that you're not exposed to potentially a catastrophic risk by you winding up with this massive, massive um, cost that isn't covered by A, B, or D, this Medigap supplemental plan will will fill in that and and restrict your your exposure or your risk there. So, w- did we answer mm-hmm. the question that you were posing there, Adrian? Yeah, of course, Eric. You hit on a lot of great points, and you're bringing up a lot of important themes and concepts people just need to be aware of when it's open enrollment season. Are you getting the coverage at the right price that you're you're comfortable with. If not, shop around, see what other alternatives are out there that'll help fit your need and fit the costs that you're looking for. It's just extremely important. And just don't assume that you're you're covered as well because that's a common question people are are having right now. Do I also have drug coverage as well? Well if you have Medicare part A and B, that doesn't also mean you have drug coverage, you need to sign up for Part D as well. And Eric, can you touch on again, because this is a really important thing that people are looking at. If you don't sign up for Part D, you can be hit with that fee or penalty that you discussed earlier in the episode. And that's that can add up over time, right? Yes, it can. So Part B and Part D, D being the drug plan, if you if you don't enroll, when you should, then, as I said, for every year de- you delay, you're just going to ratchet up, ratchet up <laughs> those long-term penalties. So just get on it and, uh, you know, get that thing in place. Now you might be saying, well, Eric, I've, I've retired. I'm, I'm now over 65, but my spouse is still working and I'm covered under my spouse's plan. Do I need to do, do this? Do I need to just, you know, f- drop off of my spouse's plan? The answer is no. Uh, you're able to, as long as you're, if your spouse is working and is under a plan that's deemed by the, by Medicare to be, you know, a sufficiently um, strong coverage um, set, then you, you can still take advantage of that plan. But my point is whether it's at, you know, the, the um, open enrollment time, the general open enrollment time where you're not covered under either your own or your spouse's uh, employee coverage and you're, you know, you've hit 65 if you don't get on it, we're we're just trying to save you some money. Just you know, just get into the uh, Social Security office and and get signed up and and get all of that uh, stuff registered so that you're you're not going to wind up hit with those penalties for the long long haul. Now, I do actually, Adrian, have a couple more uh, tips for people, pro tips on how to think about the Medicare um, supplemental insurance or Medigap policy designs and how to uh, identify which plans there might be the cheapest because it's not just what's cheapest this year. It's also cheapest over the long haul. But I think you had a, you had seen a question that people were asking about costs and maybe I can save that until we get to the cost section. Mm -hmm. And we can loop this in all together too with another common question people have is also go into the difference of Medicare Advantage and Medicare supplement plans as well. Cost is a big factor. But another one that jumped out to me is the provider. Is your doctor going to accept it? Uh, Are you going to get the coverage and the care that you need? Is that going to continue as well? 
that's one of the biggest factors that people need to look at as well, not just the cost. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, well, based on conversations that I've had with clients and when we I didn't kind of boil it down to what they typically think are the, are the most salient considerations. It's typically along these lines. Number one, if you do a lot of travel, then I'm going to say, uh, don't go with a Medicare Advantage plan because the Medicare Advantage plans are organized by a local health network. And if you get outside the range of that local health network, too bad for you if you get sick when you're, you know, on your two two months uh, stay in Florida and you're, let's say, a Michigander or you're an Illinoisan or something like that. So you, you if you're a traveler, you probably want to go with original Medicare. If you tend to be more of a homebody and you hate bills and you hate tracking stuff and, and on and on, you might be more inclined to go with the Medicare Advantage plan because it's just going to be easy and you're going to be around your network all the time and, and you can just, you know, stick with the same, same network and, and it's familiar and you won't, you won't find yourself lacking coverage. Now, I will mention that the um the when you said the difference between the medigap supplemental plan and medicare advantage it, the 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 actual the actual difference there is between the original medicare structure in which you would almost you know, it's, uh, it's sort of mystifying to me why anyone wouldn't want to augment that with the medigap supplemental plan so it's that entire mm-hmm. bundle part a b the medigap supplemental plan and part d as sort of standalones um, that work together versus the Medicare Advantage plan. But there is a third plan, and we talked about this last year. We talked about this the year before. I'm just, you're going to say, oh, Eric, get off your hobby horse. I, I just am so puzzled why this particular version of Medicare isn't much more widely adopted. It is, it's known as the Medicare Medical Savings Account. And if you listen to episode 88, you'll get a lot, lot more detail on this than I'm going to give right now. But the nutshell version about this plan is that, especially if you don't tend to have a lot of health requirements, um, you, you get a you get an account that, like an HSA account, is is uh, is a is an account where if you don't use it, it still builds up in there. And you can save that to be used in future years. Here's the key difference, though. In an HSA plan, you fund it. In an MSA plan, Medicare Medical Savings Account plan, the insurer funds it. So they will drop in, depending on the plan choice that you choose, two grand, three grand a year, whatever. And then you spend out of that. And if you then go over the amount that you have an account in your account based on, you know, not only what you received this year, but maybe leftover money from previous years, if you go over that, then yeah, you do, you, you, you may have some out of pocket costs, but even there it's capped at a certain level. So I, I think the beauty of this is, is although mis, misleadingly, I think the Medicare.gov website classifies it under the medic. Uh, the uh, Medicare Advantage plans. It's not really a Medicare Advantage plan. I don't think, I mean, it doesn't seem like that to me at least because it's totally portable. You can go anywhere. Any doctor that will provide medic, you know, Medicare services under the Medicare plan, uh, this will, you'll, you'll be covered there. So for travelers who don't use this a lot, 
and really want to try to keep their premiums to a minimum by, in this case, you don't have a premium, (laughs) it's potentially an out-of-pocket cost, I I would say at least look at it. Now, you might be saying, Eric, I'm I'm scrambling. I'm at the Medicare.gov website. I can't find it anywhere. Well, you may be in one of the 15 states that still doesn't offer it. And that would be that would be a sad face. But if you're in the 35 sta- states that do, plus the District of Com- Columbia, then you should be able to, if you go to the, again, it's misleading, look under the Medicare Advantage plan and then find the Medicare Medical Savings Account uh, uh, um, options within your state and zip code, and you'll be fine. Awesome. And Eric, one of the big features for an HSA is the tax benefits people can get from it as well. Are there any tax implications as well with the MSA accounts that people should be aware of other than far yeah, so, as you explained? Well, uh, yes. So you're, it, it was a, just since you analogized to an HSA, a health savings account, Remember, those of our listeners who are thinking, scratching their heads, have we talked about HSA in this episode? No, we have not. So not much anyway. A health savings account is while you're working, um, if you are willing to use what's known as a high deductible health insurance plan, then you are, depending on whether your employer has made this as an option, you can use what's known as a health savings account. You drop X amount of dollars, uh, you know, up to a certain limit each year, depending on you're a single filer or a married couple filing jointly, you can you know pack in X amount of dollars into that thing. And when you do, you subtract from your, your income that year the amount that you put into that plan. Then you're able to spend out of that pool, that which is all pre-tax dollars, you're able to spend out of that pool for a variety of medical expenses and in, insurance premiums and such. So it's a really nice way to not get hit with, you know, have to pay with after-tax dollars, but instead to be able to pay with pre-tax dollars. So you you asked the question, Adrian, well, how does the mm-hmm. Medicare medical savings account um, compare from a tax standpoint? Well, here too, when that insurer drops in the two grand or the three grand into your MSA that year, and by the way, in this instance, if you're married and you're each... Um, doing this plan that would be really at the household level four thousand to six thousand dollars a year that they would drop into your plan each one of you had having a or separate accounts in this instance Um, but they you are not taxed as though that was an addition to your ordinary income so it again for from your vantage point is money that's accessible to you that you didn't have to pay taxes on and then when you go ahead and spend from it to cover the qualified expenses Again, you're not, as you take it out of that MSA account, you're not getting hit with taxes. So it's, it's true spendable money without any sort of tax implication at all. So that's a great question, Adrian. Awesome. Yeah. And thanks for explaining that as well. That's going to be really helpful for people just to really consider doing open enrollment. And the last thing I have on my list is I, we pretty much covered it, but any like final thoughts or anything else that people should consider when choosing a Medicare plan during open enrollment. We talked about costs, making sure you're part of a network or your provider is within the right plan and making sure you're covered all the way. Are there any other additional points people should be aware of so they can really take advantage of this open enrollment season? 
Yeah, well, why don't we talk about um, one thing? So let's say that you go the um, the direction of original Medicare, which most people do, and that you mm-hmm. are shopping around for one of these Medigap plans. The place to do that is at Medicare.gov, and you'll just be able to just follow the little buttons, and you'll be able to navigate your way to uh, look for plans that are a match within your zip code. So, for example, in my zip code for a 65-year-old male who does not use tobacco, there are 12 Medigap plans that are available um, that are that are offered in this area. That doesn't mean there are 12 carriers. There are, in some cases, some carriers will offer multiple plans. In some cases, they, they won't offer all of them. But let's, since I mentioned, for example, the G plan as one of the options, the Medicare Medigap plan G. Here, a 65-year-old male that doesn't use tobacco in my zip code, their premiums would range from, and the, you, you'll, you, there's quite a range here, but just think, think this through here. It's anywhere from as little as $100 a month to as much as $380 a month. What, what could be different there? Well, it's going to be in part a function of potentially their health underwriting. Uh, you know, if, they're, if they've got all sorts of issues and they were kind of late to enrolling, that could be a, a, an, an element of it all. But another consideration is that, that different ones of the carriers will offer that plan. They will offer that plan using slightly different pricing models. Um, so they can be, these Medigap plans can be priced or what we would say rated in three different ways. So one of them is uh, two, two of them are age-related, which I'll explain in just a moment. One of them is not age-related. It's community-rated. Uh, so whether you're a 65-year-old male or you're an, a 95-year-old male, who, again, who doesn't smoke and is in this, this same district or area, then your Medigap premium would be the same. On the other hand, the, there are two other versions where the rating is, is indeed related to your age. One of them is, well, how old were you when you first had this Medigap plan issued to you? And then if you, let's say you had it issued at age 65 and you stayed with it for the next three decades, your premium wouldn't change. On the other hand, if you hop around a lot and uh, you did one at, at 65 and a different one at 70 and a different one at 75 and on and on, then each one of those, in, in, in light of the fact that each of those ages, you're, uh, you're reinstituting, if you choose the issue age rela- uh, rated plan, you're going to get, you're going to see that your premiums take a jump every single time that you switch because you're older at the time. And then the final version is, hey, we're not going to give you a break because you, you locked in your price at age 65. Here's how we roll. What we do is as you age, we raise your premium. So it's whatever your attained age is, that's what it's going to cost. So when I gave you that range on the G plan of a hundred to 380, you know, that's, that's almost a multiple of, of four at the high end uh, of what you'd pay at the low end. So again, get into looking at the policies, understand that they do have these rating systems. You will want to, you know, talk probably with sales reps from the various carriers to, 
to see, you know, which of the approaches that they use, if it's not evident to you from the, their website, but at least that'll give you, um, you know, a, an angle on this to, to maintain or, or modify that cost. And it might lead you to say, by the way, that what appears initially to be the low, low cost option might not be the one that you want to lock in. <laughs> it might be that you, if it's, for example, it's age attained age and it looks really attractively low price now, but you know that you're going to be seeing, seeing that premium scale up, scale up, scale up each and every year. You might want to lock in something that's a little bit higher at the issue age version if you like that plan and then know that you're kind of you're protecting yourself um, on that basis, at least against uh, premium increases related to the you're, you're getting older in subsequent years. And just one more thought or comment, at least about the the cost of these. I don't want you walking away saying, Eric said that these plans would cost me somewhere between, you know, 100 and nearly $400 a month. That's again for the G plan, which is the, we cover everything. You have no co-pays, you have no deductibles except for your Medicare part B deductible, but you could opt for a different one. So the, for example, I mentioned the Medicare, the Medigap plan G high deductible version. In this case, you have a deductible that's almost $2,500, but your premiums scale down to as little as $31 at the low end, as much as $97 at the high end. So if you are one of those people who just never, ever seems to need to go to the doctor, or when you do, you know, it's, it's basically, uh, you know, take two aspirin and call me in the morning type of thing, then you might want to say, I think I can, I think I can absorb the risk of that $2,500 a month um, deductible in light of the fact that I've just reduced my premiums by a third. And honestly, it, it just the, the math is pretty simple here. If you can reduce your, you know, if you, if you can reduce your premium by 200 bucks or a little bit more than 200 bucks a month by switching from the G to the high deductible, even if you are that person who winds up using, spending a lot of money on healthcare costs every year, the the 200 or so that you'll save every year or on every month i mean to say on the difference between the g plan and the g high deductible plan will fully cover that uh nearly $2500 deductible so think it through it's going to be find you know what's right for you based on your tendencies of of health utiliz healthcare utilization your age and what what some of the plans are that are available to you hmm. Yeah, that's really valuable information, Eric. And one other thing I want to share as well is more of a bonus. Let's just say you're a listener or a viewer and you're hearing this episode and you're outside the open enrollment window. There are special enrollment periods out there for you if you do qualify. And I'm just going to share some of these qualifying features that allow you to accept this special enrollment period as well. If you're somebody that has relocated to an area that isn't in your current planned service area, you may qualify. If you relocate to an area that offers new coverage options for your current plan, you'll also qualify as well. If you move into or out of a skilled nursing facility, this will qualify. If you've been recently released from prison, if you move back to the U.S. after living outside the country, if you leave a coverage from your employer or COBRA coverage, you'll qualify. Drop coverage under the program of all inclusive care for the elderly, you'll qualify. 
were but no longer are longer eligible for Medicaid, are enrolled in a Medicare Advantage plan or Part D plan that isn't renewed, are eligible for Medicaid and Medicare, you'll qualify. And the last one, qualify for the extra help program to pay for Medicare Part D prescription drug coverage. So these are all qualifying features that will allow you to be in that special enrollment period. Again, if you're listening to this episode outside of the open enrollment window as well, I thought this would just be beneficial for you to maybe look into and just look at just to see if you wanted to make any updates as well. Yeah. Good stuff, Adrian. That That's really good stuff. So to our listener, or and in this case, we didn't show anything. So if you were a viewer or a listener, you got everything uh, that the, the viewers got as well, except seeing that I'm in uh, no shave November. And uh, so you, you, you missed out on this glorious start to this beard. Uh, but the um, but I will say one of the things I think we just want to emphasize is that I was talking with the with the prospective um, client yesterday, and I it was just rem- I was reminded again of how the different language that we use for the business that you and I are in, Adrian. It, it's so in some ways misleading. She said, "Yeah, I had a financial. I had two financial planners, and she named the institutions where they where they had uh, served her. and And as I listened to what they actually did." Um, what they called a financial plan was really little more than an investment allocation plan. And uh, that would, it saddened me, I guess I would say a little bit because there's so many more aspects of developing your, your long-term financial plan, particularly as you're running into that, the retirement you're you're running into, or you're already in those retirement years where good advice on a lot of these other topics can really help you. We were, uh, earlier this week, I was exchanging emails with a, one of our existing clients and the client's CPA, and we were really trying to pin down um, how much Roth conversion to do before the end of the year in because the decision was connected to our wishing to avoid um, pushing that client into an un duly high Medicare surcharge area. So the if you're working with a true comprehensive financial planner, then as those questions come up, you'll have an integrated or you'll hopefully that planner will provide you with integrated advice that's taking into account all of the considerations or all of the impact of one recommendation how it spills over in this case into other categories and hopefully provide you then with with legitimately comprehensive financial planning so if you're if you're not working with someone who is really providing that comprehensive advice i would encourage you to reach out to somebody and we're here to have that conversation with you as well um you can go to the website for our show retirementlifestyleshow.com you can find our contact information down at the bottom of the page shoot us an email and say hey i would just like to have a conversation or we've made it super easy there's also a schedule a conversation button there to allow you to just you know get straight to it lastly about the show itself you know i know uh i know that we're characters a little bit here and we have our own style and and it's maybe not necessarily a fit with every single person but one of the things that i would say I believe we do differently on our show than a lot of the other 
personal finance shows is we, we go deeper and we provide, um, we provide more detail. For some people, that's just what? It's super confusing and, and they can't follow it. And then just like, I can't listen to this any longer. But for many of our listeners, we hear that we are providing level of uh, or level of detail and a depth of discussion that's hard to find in a lot of the other personal finance shows. And so I would just encourage you, if you're finding value in this, you're probably friends with people who think and, and respond to detailed, sophisticated treatments of these topics um, in the same way that you do. And so I would ask you to do them a favor and uh, shoot them a copy of our show. You can do that, for example, at the, our YouTube page um, by just clicking on the little button that says share and it'll pop up this link and you can just drop that link into a text or you can drop that link into an email, shoot it off to one of your friends and say, hey, I found this show valuable. I think these guys, you know, a little quirky, but interesting, um, you know, give it a listen. And uh, your, your friend may thank you for that. And surely we will thank you for that too. So um, anything else, Adrian, that you would want to add? Like you mentioned, Eric, if you had more questions on this episode or any episode in particular, you can find our contact information and our show notes. And we're always available to just hear your thoughts or recommendations or whatever it may be to help better our craft, to make it, like Eric said, just customize our approach to help you in any way that we can. We're always here just to answer any questions that that you may have here here all right well adrian nice hanging out with you and listeners nice hanging out with you thanks again for for listening to another episode of the retirement lifestyle show Schedule a conversation with Roshan, Adrian, or Eric today at retirementlifestyleshow.com. Roshan and Eric are certified financial planner practitioners. They, along with Adrian, are investment advisor representatives and serve clients across the U.S. with financial planning and investment advice through Arate Wealth. If you found this show helpful, gain knowledge, or enjoy the time you spent with us, tell your friends and leave us a five-star review. This will help others discover the show. To access our show notes, to download any of the tools mentioned in today's podcast, to ask us a question or to schedule a conversation, go to retirementlifestyleshow.com. All opinions expressed by podcast hosts and guests are solely their own. While based on information they believe is reliable, neither Arate Wealth nor its affiliates warrants its completeness or accuracy, nor do their opinions reflect the opinion of Arate Wealth. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and should not be regarded as specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. The show hosts offer investment advice through Arte Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor, and securities through Arte Wealth Management, LLC, member FEMRA, SIPC, and NFA. Finally, our music is The Chance by Jason Shaw in Audionautics. It's part of the YouTube Audio Library and it's licensed under a Creative Commons license. I am Ray Voices. Thank you for listening.